Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chopping Wood with Forrester Basketball, a podcast where we chop it up with players and coaches at HU. I'm your host, Ryan Walker. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Thank you for tuning into episode four of Chopping Wood. This week, we have a special guest and senior forward, Caleb Middlesworth, an ag business major from Marion, Indiana, and Oak Hill High School. First off, thank you for joining the show, Caleb. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's your senior year. How do you feel about that? I mean, if they say freshman year, like it's got to go by quick, and you mm-hmm. don't believe them because, like, man, those eight o'clock classes are really wearing you down. But yeah. by the blink of the eye, you're there. Yeah, I year know. Year four coming up. So I know. Same for me, man. That's crazy. So uh, we're trying to add a little bit of a rivalry week feel with Taylor on the clock this week. Uh, Coach Alford and you just kind of say, hey, another conference game. Just got to go out there and win it, and it's the first conference game. But is there any extra motivation to beat Taylor as opposed to other teams? I think that definitely since this is the first conference game of the year, I think that we can kind of see that a little bit. Um, I think the guys are itching to get out and play somebody a little more competitive with with it being Crossroads League, and, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal to us. So I think that uh, Taylor, um, kind of closer. I mean, them and Iowa are two of the closest teams we play. Right. So um, I think, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a little bit extra to it. Uh, is there any difference in the atmosphere or the way that other players play? Is there extra emphasis on okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to win this? Is there extra energy in the building? Oh yeah, hundred percent. When we get to Crossroads League, it's it's definitely everybody's all the way focused in. Everybody's going hard. Uh, I think we can definitely see that from the teams and also uh, the fans as well. I mean, th- we're packing out Platt and wherever we're going, mm-hmm. we have a good following. So Crossroads League is definitely different. Yeah, and the student section has been phenomenal. What are your thoughts on that so far? It's amazing. I've, I, four years I've been here, this is the first year that I've really seen a yeah. great student section that's loud and kind of impacting the game, so it's nice to see. Yeah, I really appreciate it being from the sideline too. I mean, this is the first time I've seen them stand and chant and really get into the game, and I think it brings a home field home court advantage for you guys as well so uh let's uh talk a little bit about maybe some goals and stuff this season you've had a lot of success here as a player uh earning some awards like two second team all crossroads league crossroads league freshman of the year and third team all conference as well do you set these goals at the beginning of the year to end up on these lists I think that personally I just set myself I have high expectations for myself mm-hmm. and uh, when I don't meet those goals or not necessarily goals I even set for myself when I don't feel like I perform the way I should mm-hmm. I get I get down on myself but I think that the coaches and the players that we've had in the past we just play our game and and those accolades come by themselves and right. we just get on good teams and play hard and coaches put in great game plans and that just how the cookie crumble yeah sure uh did you have any specific personal goals as maybe for yourself or from a team standpoint at the beginning of the year i think this year uh i think it'd be a big team goal to make to the tournament national tournament and possibly win the crossroads league uh, I think that's a definite goal from the coaching staff and the players, and mm-hmm. I think that's something we can definitely accomplish. Yeah. Did you guys come in and say, well, geez, we would have made the tournament last year if it wasn't for cutting the amount of teams? Does that sting a little bit now? A little bit, and looking back on it, I mean, it's kind of it would have been nice to make the tournament last year, and then yeah. we have something to build upon this year. But uh, the past is the past, and I think that we can only look forward to the future and uh, put our uh, best foot forward. Yeah, sure. Uh, now, as a player, you're a tall, strong big man, but you can also shoot the three, and that's why I think you've had that success ever since you came in here. Uh, when did you start practicing the three ball? Because not every big man can shoot the three. We're starting to see that a little bit more. But when did you start really practicing that? In junior high, I was really a back-to-the-basket kind of guy. I mm-hmm. only shot like two jump shots my whole junior high career. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, playing AAU going into my freshman year, you kind of see that. That's how, I mean, if you're going to get the ball and you want to score, you got to be able to shoot it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I put in a lot of work with my mom and my dad and my brothers in the uh, summers uh, high, over high school, and it kind of just uh, a lot of hard work paid off. Yeah, sure. Is that um, something that you came in as a recruit, um, something that Coach Platt has said, we, we're recruiting you to not only be a big man down low, but also shoot the three ball. Yeah, that that's definitely they brought me in on is I could score uh, at two levels, mm-hmm. uh, post and uh, uh, shooting the threes. And uh, driving is something I've been working on, but I'm not really swift to foot. So mm-hmm. kind of just shooting them back to the basket. Hey, you're a big man. I mean, what can you really say? 6'8", <laughs> what, 240-ish yeah. range. It's, it's not the easiest to go around and mm-hmm. run around like that. Um, if you had to choose, would you prefer to be a down-low post player or a three-point shooter? I think that, uh, given the day, it kind of changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the shot's feeling good and you want to just want to shoot threes all day, and some days you really feel like uh, back back to the basket making some good moves is, is where it's got to be. But uh, personally, I, I mean, it's just whatever the coach needs, whatever the team needs that day, I'll, I'll try to put my best foot forward. Yeah, sure. And you've had two freshmen come in, Lane Sparks and Landon Jordan, that have just been – phenomenal what has impressed you so far with those two guys coming right in and getting it done that when I came in as a freshman it was kind of well this is college basketball not high school basketball anymore Mm -hmm. and it it took me a little bit to uh to adjust to the game but seeing those two guys come in uh first day they they went they play hard uh they they know the schemes and everything we're running uh just the work they put off this summer you can see and I think that it definitely shows that there are going to be two uh, really good foresters in the future. Yeah, sure. And they played uh, very well against uh, West Virginia Tech and Grace Christian University. Um, it was a tough loss, but what can you learn from a loss from a team that was receiving votes at the, that, that time? That loss came, in my mind, at a good time. It wasn't in Crossroads League. It was uh, towards the first six games of the year, so I think that that was a good learn, uh, lesson that we could learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they really came out and pressured us, um, and I think that looking back now that that's something that we can really build off of. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jason Hubbard is one of the best players in the Crossroads League, and I assume that you'll be kind of uh, guarding him throughout the day. What have you prepared for with him, and what have you seen from him that you've liked? Uh, all four years, he came in the same class as I did, so uh, I've been playing against him for four years. Yeah. So I mean, he's really quick, really athletic. Uh, he brings a lot to Taylor's offense and defense, and uh, I think that um, finding a good way to guard him, uh, I think coaches will put together a good game plan. And mm-hmm. I think the guys will focus in on that, and I think we'll come up with something good. Yeah, you've played them for four years. That's that's crazy. Do you have any connection? Like when you get on the floor, or is there any respect, or do you guys like know each other personally at all? Or there's a few guys. Uh, CJ Pena, he just left, but mm-hmm. I, I was kind of close with him. Talked mm-hmm. to him. Uh, there's a few guys on the other Crossroads League teams that over the over the years we've talked a little bit. But yeah, there's a few of them. That's cool. Uh, now, I do a fun question every podcast, and for you, Thanksgiving is coming up. So what is one food that you really like during for Thanksgiving, and what's one food that you don't really understand how people eat on Thanksgiving Day? As a kid, I always liked honey ham. Mm-hmm. That's something my mom always made growing up, and that's something my grandparents always made growing up. So that's something that I really enjoy. Something that I don't like... Um I'm not a big casserole guy. Okay. So I just like everything straight up. I don't like it all mixed together. So gotcha. that, that's one I'd probably would be. Gotcha. I'm a mashed potatoes guy, but cranberry sauce, I don't really understand how people eat Me, that. Me, that's a good point. <laughs> so, hey, Caleb, good luck on Saturday, Rivalry Week. Good luck to you and the team. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan.
Thanks everyone for tuning in to our player interview on Chopping Wood. Let's bring in Carson Watkins as we break down Forster basketball. Hello everyone and welcome back to this edition of Chopping Wood, episode 5. You just heard from Caleb Middlesworth. I have Carson Watkins now in the studio who didn't have ice cream for dinner, but... I had it for lunch. Had it was for my, lunch. Which was my last meal, so technically the streak <laughs> still stands. <laughs> now, we're not going to get too crazy into that talk. I had some for dinner, so I'm all jacked up on that. Uh, but, Carson, we have a little bit of a theme going on this week, and I want to touch on it a little bit. It's the Taylor versus Huntington rivalry. Of course, 36 miles just separate these two schools. They play tomorrow. You'll be listening to this on Friday. Uh, so they'll be playing tomorrow at 3 o'clock or 20 minutes to the conclusion of the women's basketball game, which is also Taylor, so also go to that one as well. Uh, the women's team will be playing Taylor as well, so just rivalries all across the board. And Carson, what does this rivalry mean to you? Yeah, um, this rivalry really means a lot to this school. I mean, if it, we call it I-9 rivalry for a reason. You leave Huntington campus, take a right, take a left, go straight for 36 miles, you're at Taylor. It's that simple. And so, you know, the, the close proximity, the very similar, they were founded 10 years apart from each other along the same highway. It's pretty much the same message. It, the similarities are there, and it's just, you know, it's always nice to kind of have that little little brother complex for both teams. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really cool series that we do. And credit to you, man. Uh, Carson went into the library the other night and spent – a long time going through yearbooks, looking at previous scores and records and such. And from what we gathered, there's a couple years that did not have uh, scores or maybe they didn't play that year against one another. Quite quite weird that they wouldn't play against one another every year. But uh, it's since 1969, it's 38-37 to 37 in favor of Taylor. So we're going to have a deadlock battle. The last 10 have gone split. Five and five, and I believe from what I got from a program, it was thirty-four to twenty-eight or twenty-six, Huntington. So they have the advantage since nineteen ninety-nine. But when you look at it from an overall perspective, it's it's a deadlock rivalry. Yeah, I think I probably should be a little bit glad that I didn't go into the fifties and late early sixties because that <laughs> yeah. would have uh, we probably would look at it. So we'll go sixty-nine. I think that's kind of the. Uh, modern era of basketball if right. you want to call it that so I, I think i started off a good place you utilize your local library ladies and gentlemen they're great but i agree with you know this deadlock and i think one thing that is also worth mentioning is last year we were supposed to play taylor at home around this time but that game got postponed you can take a wild guess why <laughs> and um so we played them twice in the same week both men's and women's. And so last year, to minimize flip traffic, the women's game would be played at one place, and then the men's game would be played at the other place to uh, put it into the doubleheaders temporarily. So, Wednesday night, February, Huntington, Indiana, the Taylor men's team comes here to play. It is a bloodbath. There was a little bit of conflict. There was yep. dunks. I screamed a lot. Nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> same old, same old there. But I mean, I think one thing is Taylor, I think it was Hubbard, went in and just slammed one, and the Taylor bench got up. We were still at pretty low capacity at the time. It was towards the end of J term. And so 
I was like, oh, wow, that was a, that was a momentum shift. Then the Foresters go down the court, and Ben Hummerkaus decides to return the favor and slam one. I remember that, yep. So that's really has to say a lot about this rivalry, just in that little minute alone, is that, you know, they're like, okay, well, you're going to dunk on us, so I'll return the favor to you. Right, and I think there were some technical fouls as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's a, distri- a distinct, uh, I wouldn't say hatred. I don't think they hate each other, of course. But I think, as Peyton West has said, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of an extra oomph to this game, mm-hmm. of course. And something different about this rivalry, you mentioned Jason Hubbard. He does come back this year. He's a senior uh, for the Taylor Trojans, a really good player uh, to watch out for. Uh, but the Foresters has, haven't seen their freshmen yet or their newcomers, but Taylor also hasn't seen the dynamic duo of Lane Sparks and Landon Jordan. How important have they been uh, to this Forrester team offensively and, I guess, defensively as well. Yeah, Lane is, led all scores, um, I, th- I believe, on the Friday game against West Virginia Tech, off the bench by quite a large, 25 to be precise. So, I mean, yeah, that's just something you can't account for. I bet the coaching staff has saw that in the stat sheet and just thought, oh boy, what are we going to do about that? And then they probably... Um, Thank you so much to Landon Jordan for getting us a couple thousand views on your alley-oops. <laughs> really appreciate that. And also, Big, 16 points as well. Yeah, 16 yep. points also helped there. So 16 points, a couple thousand views. Landon Jordan does it all. So, you know, they're they're looking out for this. And like you said, they've seen the starting five before. And as I mentioned, Hummerkaus played incredibly well against them last year. So this Taylor staff has their uh, hands full this week. And uh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. All I, that's all I can say, really. Yeah, they, they do. And, of course, the Foresters have their hands full as well. I mentioned in the article that uh, I wrote about a little bit of the rivalry and just setting up the historical aspect of it, but also uh, what goes on right now. And Jason Hubbard is a guy that is top 20 in the nation right now in rebounding and scoring as well, and he's number one in the conference in both of those categories. So that's a guy that Corey Alford has said to me, we have to key in on him and we have to try to frustrate him or uh, not make easy chances um, on the defensive side so that he can be just a little bit more flustered on the offensive side of the game. Uh, But it's hard to do that on the other end where we're trying to score and he's down there as well over a block per game. He's just, he's a do it all type player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I said, he was a pretty high flyer last year too. He had quite a few points against us, yeah. and kind of like I uh, to finish my point, the women's team ended up losing in Upland that night, and then the men's team won. Then they switched on Saturday, and the men's team went down to Upland. And the women's team came up here, and the women's team hunting HU women's won, and then HU men's lost. And so this was all in one week. And once again, kind of a little bit of a microcosm. You love to play at home in this series. Yeah, it's it's that deadlock that we've seen in rivalry games in sports in general. It really doesn't matter who's who. One team could be one of the best teams in the entire country. The other one can be kind of on a lower end of the stick, and that game just makes everybody play different. You never know what you're going to get. You can really throw away the analytics. Oh, well, we have this ranking. You don't have this ranking and whatnot. No, it really doesn't matter most of the time, Carson. So, uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is the Foresters have played three games a week for the first two weeks of the season, but they don't play this week at all. They just they take a seven day six day break and then they play on the seventh day 
to complete a full week. Do you think that helps Huntington more to prepare for Taylor and rest, or do you think that kind of does a negative where they're kind of rusty? We haven't played in seven days. Uh, I'm going to lean on the side that it helps. Uh, You can talk about this after this. I think my biggest thing is I talked to Landon Jordan. uh, We were watching during the Nespros Classic. We were watching the uh, first game together, and I was like, hey, hey, big guy, how you doing today? He goes, oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty sore. So, you know, they're going to have their time to rest, like you said, three games a week for like the past two weeks. Right. So six games here to start off in a two-week span. These guys are tired, and plus they have schoolwork to deal with. And, I mean, Ryan, we're tired, and we sit, we sit down on the scores table. Yeah. And we eat ice cream. <laughs> yes. That, that might be a part of the problem. But, <laughs> it could um, be, but it also helps. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I, these guys were sore. Now they have time to rest. They have time to relax. They can get their ice bath, have a little bit more time with the training staff outside of the game. I really think it's just going to help them. And, you know, I think it's going to, they're going to have to practice hard, especially during pregame warmups. And one thing that we've noticed from this team is that they rather got off to a hot start offensively and then fluttered or fluttered off the gate and then picked up. Right. So, once again, this isn't really a game where you can just start to flutter. So, I think I'm just going to err on the side that's going to help them to the fact that they can rest, get some sleep, no long bus rides True. back and forth i think it really helps and no you know play at seven play at three the next day very true very true and i i like the point that you bring up that they can just go rest i mean the season is a grind yes it's week uh, week three now but they don't typically play two ga- or three games a week they play tuesday or wednesday and then they kick it off saturday you know it's it's two games a week they get some rest in between and for the last two weeks, they've gone Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So I like what you bring up there. So I think it does help them in a way, but they're starting to get into a little bit of a groove offensively and quite potentially, you know, you don't have that game time to, you you can't really simulate what a game is going to have an impact on. So when you're going through an offensive slump and then you get out of it, do you start to fall back out of it? Every team is different, so obviously they can pick up right where they left off. I guess we'll have to see uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. But uh, this is a conference game, so you're going to have to have your guys ready for that. Hey, let's let's not be rusty. Let's really take our scrimmages to the next level this week, or let's let's make sure we're resting up but also being just as intense as we would in a game. So... And the Foresters are also undefeated at home, which is an advantage. They're four and zero this year. They were twelve and four last year at home. Carson, why why such a strong home court advantage? I think this team is just really comfortable at home, and I, you can say that a lot about a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams who just play a little bit better at home. Um, I'm not going to take it. They had a they did fairly well on the road last year. Not as good as you would like, but not horrible either. But it just helps them, I think, especially now with the emergence of the student section really been coming as a factor into some of these games. Mm-hmm. I think it just really helps them to be familiar with the area. And once again, I mentioned those bus trips can just be brutal sometimes, especially, you know, when you think about it, especially like Mount Vernon, Spring Arbor. I mean, those are three-hour <sighs> drives. Man, and yeah. That can be a little brutal sometimes. I feel bad for Spring Arbor and Mount Vernon who are always going back and forth to Indiana, but... That's a real 
home court advantage for them, though. Yeah. Because other teams are, that are not used to that get to go up there. No, I know what you're saying. Most of the time they are tra- the ones traveling, but when they are at home, that's got to be a good advantage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's that? You had to leave at 6 to get to the game today? Oh, well, we just I just woke up about an hour ago. So, yep. Yep. yeah, it really helps. And um, so I think they're comfortable. I think the student section certainly helped, and especially last year, not really having a crowd probably helped, too, really just uh, – and that was probably the most fair ever, you know, just nothing, just who can play basketball better this day. And yep. Not a lot of momentum changes with the crowd or anything, just straight up, just who plays basketball better. And so right. I think the comfortability and then the fans and finally the rest that you were able to have when you can just walk across campus to your game. Yeah, exactly. And home court advantage for the Foresters is different this year. The student section has been alive. It's been great. It's been really cool to have. And Carson and I will encourage you strongly to go out and watch this uh, this game starting at 1. Uh, the women's team will play Taylor at Platt Arena. And then following that will be the men's game as well at 3 o'clock. So get your homework done early yes. or save it for Sunday. Just relax. Let's go. Saturday. Let's bring it. Bring it student section. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I was saying? actually thinking. I was looking. Um, I found all those scores for anybody who was curious in the old Huntington yearbooks. And I was looking at all these pictures, and they had pictures of like a full student section. I just thought to myself, "We need that this yeah, Saturday. We need exactly. we need it packed in there." And you know, there you, there's a lot of uh, st- students here who you know, like you said, don't hate Taylor, but you know, they just mm, shove them to the side a little yeah, bit. Yep. I remember one in a our other a little arrival, Indiana Wesley, and I remember uh, our campus officer Kirsch Cochran got his master's degree from Indiana Wesley and then mm. our our uh, campus pastor Reverend Wilson was giving a him an introduction he goes <laughs> he got his master's degree at I'm not saying that school's name <laughs> So That's you know, it's like, like a, you, you said it right. It's not a hatred, but it's, you know, it's a little bit of a yeah, it's a grimace. Yeah, a grimace. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And Arthur and Chapel will address those things. I remember someone from Taylor came up here and said, got their master's at Taylor or something, and everybody groans, you know. So it's a fun thing for campus. Rivalries are fun. Yeah. You know, keep the blood out of it as as much fun as it is to watch technical fouls and <laughs> people that just play some high-intensity basketball. Mm-hmm. Teams have to stay disciplined. I think that's uh, thing number one mm-hmm. going into these games. You're probably going to be a little bit more jittery, and you're probably going to have a little bit more excitement. So, hey, let mm, – don't listen. Don't foul mm-hmm. when you don't need to foul, or don't let the emotions get the best of you. So it's going to be a really fun one to watch, Carson. But we'll talk a little bit about the conference. So at the beginning of the year, three weeks ago, it's it's crazy how it's it's already three weeks in. Seventh game is coming up, but we talked about the Crossroads League, and we were both saying, okay. Fifth is probably fair, but we expected maybe a little bit more, like to flirt around with a three or a four or get as high as a two in the conference, not saying that these things are going to happen, but just to look at them and say, yeah, we potentially could get to that point. So, Carson, have you changed your mind on this? Do you think any more or less? Absolutely not. And I know you said, like, you know, we could flirt with that two through four range. But we could also flirt with that six through eight range. I don't know. 
I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. And I, I think what they, a little side note here, you mentioned about like, don't get technical. Remember last year there was a, I don't, it wasn't a fight necessarily, but there was about Peyton West was trying to call a timeout and a Taylor player kind of ran into him right before he, uh, trying to steal the ball, yes. ca- trying to steal the ball. And, uh, they kind of bumped chest and it really, uh, electrocuted the two benches and that's when all the slams and three pointers came so like like you said don't get a technical foul don't foul out of the game don't do anything stupid just play basketball and win the game if you're a forester forester or a trojan just play the game but as i was saying we've seen a lot of these teams and i think one thing that i've mentioned a lot on the broadcast is that Many of these teams that we've been playing in the preseason, the Governor States, the West Virginia Techs, the Calumet Colleges, they're playing other teams in the Crossroads League in their preseason. So we're getting a little bit of a litmus test. And I thought I would learn some things. I don't think I did. I think I learned the teams who were kind of a little bit lower in that coach's poll were, and other teams who were higher in that coach's poll were doing a little bit better against some of those teams. So I haven't learned anything yet, I don't think. I want to see true. a little bit more conference play. And that you said you mentioned the jitters too. That's gonna to be elevated. It's the rivalry game and then plus it's the first conference game. So you could if if either team loses this game, they could sit there in like the bottom five, if not last plays, in the crossroads league with a O and one record and have to battle back the entire year. Right. So that just adds an extra little thing to this. But like you I really believe the Foresters, I will say it right now. Wholeheartedly, I will bet the house on this. They are going to make the tournament. They're going to make the okay. conference tournament. Okay. They are going to finish one through eight. I wholeheartedly believe that. I will bet anything on that. But like I, like you said, they could be one or they could be eight. I'm still trying to figure that out. Right, right. And them finishing under a fifth, I don't think would necessarily be, uh, it's, it's not a successful season. Mm-mm. It might just mean that there were so many teams that were so good in the conference. In, in the conference, yeah. Uh, when we looked at it last year, I, Foresters went on, I think, a three-game losing streak to end the conference play, and we were. It was three and one. They won that game against Goshen. Right. We were, we were sitting around three or four, and then ended up, I think, around fifth. But I mean, we went from like seven or six, and you just pull yourself up and then you can pull yourself back down mm-hmm. in a matter of two games in a week. That's just that's just crazy. But that's how good this conference is, that they are going to consider all eight teams that make the conference tournament and say, okay, look, what have they done this year? Can we put them in the tournament? And most of them will make it. Absolutely. And, you know, those one, that's what, you got to get one through eight. And, you know, I'd love that the Foresters have not had a – home playoff games since I've been here. I would really like that. I'd like a couple of them, honestly. Right. So, like I said, we'll see. But this conference, like you said, is really good. We have five top 25 teams or, or at least receiving votes. Something I don't think, close, I don't yeah. think the Foresters are receiving votes yet. I think they, I believe they shouldn't here relatively soon, yeah. especially if they get off to a hot start in conference play. I could see them at least receiving votes here in the near future. But. Yeah, they, they have to be close to that, but... You know, right right now the rankings don't matter at this point. You know, I mean, basketball is such a strange sport. You know, you think you have good teams and then all of a sudden they just are average or you have an average team and then they just explode and they're one of the best teams in the, in the country. So right now I guess polls don't really matter that much. They matter more towards the end of the year. But for the Foresters, they just have to go out and they have to win the games that they're supposed to win and maybe break up a couple upsets out there, and I think they could find themselves in a tournament. 
Absolutely, and um, you know we mentioned they played really well. They beat Marion on the road last year, who was a ranked team. They battled against St. Francis. They've battled against a lot of really great teams. And so, like you said, those upsets. I mean, in St. Francis is the two is the second best team in the country right now. I think Indiana Wesleyan's in the top ten. Grace is up there. I'm pretty sure it's like this. It's going to be like you said. It's a grind. Depth. They're going to have to grind this out, and you know, like you said, pull up a couple upsets, get a couple good wins, kind of play really well against some of the lower seeded teams, and pro- and you know, boost that record, and then you can find yourself like in that two through four range. Right, Carson, and that's probably all I got here uh, today. So thank you so much for listening to Chopping Wood, Episode 5, with Caleb Middlesworth and Carson Watkins. Of course, as always, Huntington will be playing Saturday, 3 o'clock or 20 minutes to the conclusion of the women's game uh, against Taylor. It's going to be a rivalry game. Carson, it's going to be a blast. Also, thanks for joining the show, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for tuning in to Chopping Wood with Forrester Basketball. For more on HU Hoops, visit Ryan Walker HU on Twitter and catch more episodes of Chopping Wood every Friday. Thank you for listening. This has been Ryan Walker.